So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to another great episode of Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Tom Seco. I'm a financial advisor and co-founder of Florida Veterinary Advisors. I've got a very exciting guest. I've been trying to get on the show for quite some time now. So I think we're going to have a wonderful conversation. So make sure to stick around and listen to this entire show. And if you haven't had a chance to take a look yet, we've got a lot of awesome resources out there and check the description of this podcast about our five-part video course, where you can be able to take a closer look at uh, your foundation of your finances. If you haven't started planning, it's a great way to start. If you have planned, it's an awesome opportunity for you to be able to review what you are doing. Uh, But you can check, take a look at that, go in our description below. So Without any further ado here, uh, I've, I've actually been very pumped up for this conversation, and I don't know if anyone can tell from, from my talking right now, I'm talking probably really quick, and I'll probably slow down a little bit, but uh, I've got a, a Eric Garcia with me. He is the owner and founder of Simply Done Tech Solutions. Uh, he's been working in the veterinary community for almost two decades now, and uh, he helps a lot of veterinary practices with their marketing and communicating better with digital, which is incredible with this day and age because everything's digital. So Eric, it's awesome to have you here with me today. Tom, it is so good to be here with you. And, and you're right, this has been a long time coming. So I'm, I'm ready to geek out during our time together here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure for anyone who has attended, you know, some of the large conferences, especially your like speaker of the year, I think back on 2020 now, was it for VMX or 2019? Yeah. Yes, sir. So for any, anyone who has seen Eric, I'm sure you know a lot about what he does, but I would love for you if you can take a moment for a second, Eric, just to tell people a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a digital strategist. Uh, my biggest objective in the line of work that I do is to help veterinary practices adapt to digital strategy, whether that's communicating digitally uh, or whether it's uh, using digital marketing strategies to attract a new client into the practice. So regardless, uh, with everything that we do, it's focused on uh, just the, the whole digital picture. Um, and it's, it's uh, as you know, Tom, this is something that's ever evolving. So it's fun because I'm never saying the same thing for too long before something changes, but that's, that's the extent of what I do. <laughs> that's great. How, how long has Simply Done Tech Solutions been around? Yeah, so we founded it in 2009 with this whole idea of helping veterinary practices adapt to digital strategy, but in ways that are easy. I did start my career in a veterinary practice, so I know a lot of the struggles that practices face. Mm. And so I saw this need to be able to help practices, but providing the perspective of being in their shoes, knowing that they have little amounts of time to dedicate to things like changing how they communicate or how they market. And so the whole idea of Simply Done Tech Solutions was to take a simple, uh, simple approach to these strategies for their practices. That's cool. Absolutely. And uh, you've been around a little bit longer than I know Florida Veterinary Advisors has. So I think you've definitely been around for as long as you have been in the veterinary community, and especially with the shift lately to online. It's just incredible how the things are just compounding and going so fast. Like I, they're changing so quick and so many new things are getting introduced yeah. out there. I, I'm just curious, like, how do you all keep up 
with all of that? Yeah. So, so first off, it, you know, what's really great, and, and I and I I try to point this out as often as I can, is the veterinary industry has been notoriously known to be slow to adapt to change, hmm. and it's no different when it comes to digital. Whether it's you know back in the day, it was adapting to e-commerce solutions, or you know sending email and text message campaigns. But I have to say what I've noticed in the past, and this is way before COVID, this industry has been adapting so fast at meeting client, meeting and exceeding client expectations in the realm of digital, whether it's uh, engaging on social media and using the latest social media tools or whether it's using new platforms to allow asynchronous or two-way communication with, with clients. And so it's been really interesting to see how fast the profession has adapted, which it presents a challenge to me and to us to be able to say, okay, well, now we got to continue to, to push that further. What is, what is going to be the next thing? And so what we try to do is find inspiration outside of the veterinary industry. So notoriously, veterinarians have looked to dentists to be able to see what it is that they're doing and to say, hey, because there's a lot that aligns there, especially when it comes to paying for care uh, that we could bring to the, to the veterinary industry. Um, and, and that used to be great for a long time. And then what we found is we're in the veterinary community actually doing more than dentists are in the realm of communication and marketing. And so, uh, so lately, it's not been so much that more than it has been attending very forward thinking conferences like the Consumer Electronic Trade Show, where you see these wild ideas and you look at it and you say, well, how can we distill that down to maybe something that veterinary practices can do with in the future. And so it's really looking at some of those innovative type, very forward thinking conferences, and then trying to distill those ideas down, which is challenging, um, but but very fun and rewarding nonetheless. Well, I'm sure as well, since it is so challenging that it keeps you on your toes very regularly, right? Oh, yeah. And, and it's hard because in the veterinary space alone, there are numerous companies that are being born every day. Mm -hmm. um, investors are spending large amounts of money, millions upon millions of millions on these new startup companies that are aimed at helping veterinarians either uh, better communicate with their clients or you know, have access to telemedicine or even just new diagnostics. And so for someone like me, it's important to learn about as many of these companies as I can so I can find out which ones will help veterinary practices with their biggest pain points. And it's overwhelming. Um, and, and, you know, I used to take pride in meeting with all of them. Now I can't like I it's just <laughs> I try to do as much as I can. But I, I got to say, Tom, there's some pretty neat tools out there now that are really just helping practices um, really streamline efficiency and, and just provide more value to clients in a way that's just super easy. Absolutely. Well, well on that note, when we're, since you're talking about some of the challenges and things that are out there at the moment, you know, thinking about even recently, because I'm sure things, some of the challenges change a little bit. I'm sure there are some core things that are always some people that need to be focusing on. If you look over the, you know, last couple of few years, what would you say have been, you know, a few of the main things that practices struggle with when it comes to their marketing and digital presence? Yeah, so it's it's two things. One is a, a well-known struggle. The other one I don't think is, is, is so much something that they recognize as a struggle, but for me is a struggle. One is staffing and not having the staff to be able to, whether it's create content for social media, whether it's manage the website, whether it's 
um, the staff to be able to text clients, to allow them to book appointments or to manage communications that come in through an app. So staffing has been a huge problem. Uh, what was interesting is Blue Pearl did a study during the pandemic and it outlined one of the reasons that people are leaving practice is because if we work backwards, staff members are frustrated, clients are frustrated, therefore frustrating staff members, uh, changes in how we communicate has frustrated everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and it's leading to people leaving the profession. And so I think that's that's been a challenge is getting practices to try to do some of the things that they simply just don't have the staffing for. But more importantly, I think just showcasing, hey, there's a lot of technology that automates this entire process, like real-time appointment booking, we're using more streamlined tools to help. Um, with some of those, those challenges. So staff members can spend more time focusing on the experience. But the second thing that I see as a challenge is the profession has grown leaps and bounds during the pandemic. I mean, there's right. uh, some studies allude to the fact that there have been 12.6 million US households that have welcomed a pet since the pandemic. And so practices are thinking that everything's great. And when I, what I mean by everything's great is revenue is great, uh, patient visits are great, new client numbers are great. And so we're looking at all these KPIs uh, and we're saying there's nothing we need to do. We don't need to do marketing. We don't really need to do anything because we're busy. And I think the very dangerous thing about that is what we're failing to realize is we need to be focusing on a long-term strategy. So what is it that you're investing in today to ensure that you continue to remain busy when this growth dies off? And we're already seeing that uh, trend uh, of visits starting to go down when we look at numbers that are being released monthly through AVMA. And so the challenge is to say, well, hey, I bet you want to continue to remain busy. So let's ensure that we're investing in these strategies. But more importantly than that, what are we doing in terms of retention? So what are we doing right now to ensure that all of these clients that we've received during this time are continuing to come back in again. And a lot of that people think has to do with the experience, right? If you do right by the client in the exam room, if you can communicate with them efficiently and all of that, and that's great. And that's a big part of what keeps people coming back, but it's also having the right systems to be able to allow them to have better access to you. Uh, and that's where a lot of those digital tools come into play. So I think right now, those are the two biggest challenges that practices are facing. One, again, they know about the other. I think they're starting to see and recognize maybe we do need to think more long-term. Well, so with the staffing, because staffing... It, it seems like, of course, we're going in an interesting environment right now where it's it's hard to find veterinarians. It's hard to find other support staff for, for veterinary practices. I remember just seeing a statistic the other day where there's about 3,500 open positions for veterinarians at the moment. And I, I can definitely see that being a huge barrier and a, a large obstacle for a lot of practices out there. However, it seems that the, the technology or the automation or being able to plug some of these systems in there you know, it doesn't help alleviate the fact that they need staff. However, do you think that a lot of them are tend to kind of just, you'd say adapt things kind of late, but do you think a lot of them just tend to avoid it or they wait for other people to try it first and then say, I probably need to start doing this? What, what do you see? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, and and there's um, a little bit of both. And, and I don't think either mindset is wrong, right? There's there is the mindset of the innovator, which is willing to try something, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. But then if it works, start to see the, the fruits of their labor early on and they get to experience this uh, staff that is not burdened down with very minutiae tasks that should be delegated to automated systems. And that's great. And they get to experience that success early on. And then they also get to use that as a differentiator when they're marketing who they are because they're doing things that other practices aren't. And then there is the wait and see mentality. And those are the practices that are like, well, let's let's see if this thing is going to stick around. Let's see if e-commerce is really going to be a thing. Let's see if um, if you know texting or communicating via apps is really going to stick or telemedicine. And it's and there's nothing wrong with that mentality. 
Um, I think if anything, it gives those practices in some cases an advantage to be able to say that they can learn from those who did it first to do it better. But I think where that mentality can become toxic is when we wait too long. And I think and I think for a long time, we we as a profession can sit on things too long before we put action to it. And, and e-commerce is a great example of that. We've known that online pharmacies have been a problem in the profession since 2000. Solutions have been available since 2004 for veterinary practices to be able to adopt to e-commerce. But it hasn't been until the last, since the pandemic started that we started to take it more seriously than we ever have been. And that's because we didn't have solutions to be able to allow pet owners to securely and easily get medications delivered to their own homes when other exterior threats were. And so again, it's okay to wait and see, but if we wait too long and see that that's when we start to really run into problems. And so, you know, the whole, you know, being proactive rather than reactive is very critical. Yeah. Our, our society tends to be pretty reactive at times. So I think it's, yeah. it's great when people are pretty proactive. And I, I know there's a lot of things we're trying to even do within our, our business right now. And it's, I, we've got one of the things that's stopping our proactiveness is compliance, which mm. if anyone knows the financial business, uh, especially <laughs> when you're licensed in certain ways, they look at everything up, upside down, you know, backwards and forwards. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very fascinating. So I, I find it, I'm, I'm very encouraged and excited for these opportunities that practices can really be able to start taking these things. And when, when you're looking with your, your company and the things that you're doing, you know, what are the first type conversations that you're having with a practice around these things, marketing and digital? What do you say with them? What are you talking with them about? Yeah. So normally it's just taking an opportunity to see how they're engaging with technology in general. And I think it's important for anyone to self-reflect, you know, what tools are using right now to be able to make it easy for pet owners to interact with you. Um, and so really understanding that, um, also taking an opportunity to understand the individual person that we're meeting with and their level of comfort with technology as well, because ultimately uh, that's, these are going to be the people that are going to drive that change. And you have to know where they're at with that comfort level. Is it a veterinarian that believes in technology and wants to do this to be able to allow more clients to utilize it in the way that they do? Or is it a practitioner that says, I don't actually use this, but I get that this is important because it allows us to be able to change that strategy and that approach tailored to the individual, um, that's going to be leading that change. And then it's it's also recognizing their challenges. So what is it that you're having issues with right now? What is the average time that it takes for someone to wait on hold before a CSR person gets on the phone and handles that, that request? What is the level of service that you're offering uh, in terms of the experience? How do clients perceive the value that they get from you? These are all things that are very, very important because you can't implement a successful strategy unless you actually know where that practice is at. And then coming back and saying, okay, here are all of the things that we see as opportunities, but let's distill it down to the things that you're going to experience success with early on. Mm -hmm. Because if we can have success early on, whether it's alleviating the CSR's tasks by using automation, or whether it's increasing retention, which means thousands of dollars coming back into that practice by just seeing more of what you have, when we can prove success early on, then it gets them to buy into the rest of the strategy and get super excited. And I think that's that's where we're at as a, as a profession is I think practitioners want to see how they can have success with these strategies to be able to then buy into more concepts and, and new ideas. And when I lecture, I try to just share success stories with people all over the world and and how they've seen that success because that's when practices are like, ah, oh, I get it, I get it, I can I can do something with it. Absolutely. It's something that I've seen a lot from the side that there are people that want to do what you're saying. And I've found that there are some that will distort, they will spend money, 
and they don't know how it's really genuinely helping them from a marketing or from a digital presence standpoint, there's actually just someone in my mind that I'm thinking of right now where you know, you're spending over $30,000 a year on all this marketing stuff. And remember asking them like, okay, how did, how is this helping you? Like, what is it doing for your, your practice? And he had no, no idea. And I would, I would think that it's like the people you're talking to, do you see people already approaching this saying, Hey, I want to make this part of more of my practice. You find that more conversations are around, like, I haven't done anything with this really yet. And I really want to start putting it in. Like, what do you, what do you see more often? One thing I want to address very quickly here is anytime you implement any strategy, whether it's a communication strategy or whether it's a marketing strategy, you have to know where you're at before you do anything. And I know it sounds basic, but I can't tell you how many practitioners will blindly invest in a strategy and not know what the outcome is going to be. And so that's when they use what I call gut data. So gut data is when they're like, <laughs> I think people are happier. I think our retention is 90%. And I never, just like you would never advise someone to make a financial investment or do something for themselves based off of, well, gut data says, I think we should do this. Or my gut <laughs> says, like, you're not doing that, right? And so we're, we're driven based off of certain KPIs and trends. And so it's important to know where you're at beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and then to, to measure success after you've implemented those strategies. One of the things that anytime we're working with a practice, we require them to do is to invest in some sort of practice financial dashboard. So whether it's using something like Vet Success or um, using some of the other tools that are available out there to say, okay, here are your new client numbers, here are your patient visits, here's your retention, here's right. your revenue, here's all of that. Great, now we know where you're at. Let's implement these strategies and see how it affects that. Um, because at the end of the day, the only way you're going to have the reassurance that what you're doing is working is by knowing where you're at. And so it's, it's mm -hmm. I think, very, very critical that practices know that before they start moving forward and, and investing in these strategies. And I got so excited, Tom, with that question. I forgot your original question. Yeah, it was um, more of just the conversation around and everything you just said, the, the gut data, I think is this is the first time I've heard it in that context before. And I think it's really cool because I, I love when people always say to me, I think, or I mm. feel, and I'm like, Okay, that doesn't tell me or put you know food on the on the table every day of I feel that we did good today. It's like, okay, what actually happened today? Because even with our team, I, ha I have to go through these conversations and say, okay, so what did you actually do that actually helped move the needle in the right direction? And what kind of results did you get from it? And um, getting in that mentality, it's, it seems that there are some practices that do a phenomenal job. And there's still a lot of them that are trying to get to that level right now. Um, and it was more the, the thing that I'd brought up was, you know, do you see that a lot of them are, are already trying to implement something and they're just not doing it very well, or there are a lot of them that are now looking to do something, where would you say the mix is on that? Yeah, it, it's hard to say. I mean, again, gut data here. So I, I talk about never doing it, but I mean, I, I would say it <laughs> feels like it's split 50, 50, I think. There are a lot of practices that are using tools and, and here's kind of part of the problem is there's so many tools out there right. and a lot of the tools really overlap in functionality or, you know, to be honest, some tools are better than others. Some are more efficient than others. Some are too early to be as successful as they could be in comparison to others. And so sometimes what we see is practices have tools, but they're not really working to their advantage because either they're not maximizing the utilization of those tools, or they don't have the right tool that's efficient for that practice um, to where there are practices who aren't doing anything. And so, and I hate to say this, but the ones who aren't doing anything, I, I, 
in some way celebrate that because it's like if they're seeking help i celebrate that to say well at least you have an opportunity to make sure that you implement the right tools and you integrate them in your workflow the right way right um i don't like to see that no one has anything because of course that means that, that you know they haven't been doing anything with it but i always tell practices like if you're not doing anything and you're successful imagine how much more successful you're going to be when you start to do something. Absolutely. And so really and truly it, it's, it is, it is a, a pretty big mix. I did a workshop at BMX this year and there were a mix of people in the room that were like, we use all these tools. And there were some that were like, well, I'm here because I don't use anything and I don't want to know which ones. So I, I, I think, I think the conversations in either direction are, are productive because it's it just because you do something doesn't mean you, you should stop. Right. Uh, the success is the biggest deterrent to getting better is what one of my mentors instilled in me. And just because you do something, and it makes you successful doesn't mean that you always do that thing you should continue to challenge yourself find new tools find new systems so that way you can always remain successful absolutely the scary thing is too because people will keep doing something that's either working or not working and then eventually like things change and they haven't taken the moment to really evaluate like what's Mm. really happened from it and i know that's something we talk a lot with people personal and from a business planning standpoint because it's if you don't pay attention to that, you're just kind of planning for anything. <laughs> it's like, really, what are you doing? That is scary, I'm sure. Well, so for the the people who are listening to this conversation, let, let's say that they were going to walk away and be able to take one thing from this. Yeah, what is something simple without them even getting in contact with you that they can go take a look at or start doing? Yeah, so so one of the things I've been on my soapbox about probably since slightly before the pandemic, but then it's really escalated during the pandemic. Uh-huh. is just reaching out to your clients in as many ways as possible, um, increasing your touch points more than ever, whether it's through social media, whether it's increasing the frequency of how many times you deliver a reminder to let a pet owner know they're due for services, whether you're uh, sending email campaigns or letting them know that you have certain features available. Uh, and the reason I say that, Tom, is because it's it's one of the easiest things a practice can do that will yield great results in the long right. term. So it's this whole idea that um, retention is critical. And there have been st- Studies in the industry that show if a practice is reminding a pet owner that's due for a service and they send up to 12 touch points, so between text messages, push notifications, emails, postcard, if they send up to 12 touch points, they're going to yield the highest compliance, which means they get more pet owners that come back in on a recurring basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we think about online retailers, uh, when we think about companies like Chewy or PetMed Express or whichever ones that are out there, the more often their studies have proven that they reach out on average three to four times per week to pet owners because it yields that desired action of someone purchasing something or doing something. So my whole soapbox in the last few years, and it's, and it's not going to change for this year is just your pet owners want to hear from you. It's important that you educate every step of the way that you uh, deliver as much communication as you can. I I heard someone a long time ago at the early phase of the pandemic telling people um, that they should slow down on communication because people are overwhelmed. And the last person that they want to hear from is their veterinarian. And this is someone that's in the industry. And I was like, no, this is not, no, we shouldn't do that. That goes (laughs) against everything. Like the pet owners need good information. They need to hear from their veterinarian. They need to know that you're there for them right. uh, because if we're not doing it, then it's going to fill the void for someone else to do it, whether it's a competitor down the street or whether it's a competitor that's looking to, to tap into our online pharmacy or whatever it is. So I tell practices, look at your overall communications and see what opportunities you have to increase that um, because it's one of the best things you can do right now that yields results in, in a majority of cases. Amazing. Yeah. It's hard to uh, get new clients. And when you can retain the ones you have, like, yeah. gosh, it's the, those are so valuable and yeah. a great tip. Absolutely. That's an awesome Thanks. tip for everyone who is listening. I want to make sure that you are 
get going to get a way to get in contact with Eric or his team. If you want to have a conversation, I don't know. What, what does that look like? If someone wanted to talk to you, would they usually just schedule an introductory call just to talk? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just a, it's just a quick call. It's just, again, it's just a, Hey, how are you doing? What are you doing? What are your biggest struggles? And then we come back with how we can help support that if, if that's what they, they, uh, they're looking for. And so, um, of course, they can visit our website, uh, simplydonetechsolutions.com. Um, and, or if they're looking just for little quick tips, articles, webinars, things like that, they can find me anywhere on social media. Uh, it's at Eric Garcia FL. And I always tell people, Tom, like, I love when people reach out to me and ask questions because it helps me see what their challenges are so I can then deliver content that's valuable to them in the future. So it's this even exchange of information. So I encourage people, reach out, ask questions. I'm not gonna send a mystery bill in the mail. Uh, I truly mean it when I say that because it's it's something that we can both uh, gain at the end of the day. Now, after a certain point, of course, we'll, we'll have a different conversation, <laughs> but but you know, if you have simple questions, I, I've got tons of resources that are available online that I can pass out. Of course, I'm sure people, you know, don't want their, their uh, patients have having their patients, parents con contacting them every single moment to get details. So I totally understand that. And uh, <laughs> awesome. For sure. Well, so on a complete random note here, you know, if you were stuck on an island and let's say you had one food that you can choose for the rest of your life, what would you eat? It would probably be Mexican food. Um, I, I love chips and guac. I love, you know, rice and refried beans and fajitas. And that is that is my jam. I, I, could, I could eat it all day long. And whether it's real Mexican food or whether it's something like a Chipotle, like I'm just done. Like it's not even, I didn't even have to think about it too long. Okay. But I am curious because I've known you for a while now and I don't know, I, I want to know the answer. And I'm sorry if everyone already knows it, but what is it for you? Mine is pizza. Ah, see, I love pizza. So we pizza, get along well. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's an all around, you know, you can get your, you get your carbs, you get your, yeah. your sauce, which has the, the vegetables in it. You get the cheese, you get the, and then you get the, the meats you can put on it. Um, I particularly, if you want to know which type of pizza, sure, I yeah. love, 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 love Illuminati's up in Chicago. So yes, people, yes. There's just something about that sweet sauce and the deep dish. It is the butter crust. The butter crust is amazing. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. oh, dude, that's I, I don't know anyone else that knows about it. That's yeah. oh, you're right. It is it is gotta be my favorite pizza as well, easily yeah. hands down. I've tried a few, I've tried several. I mean, I love the thin, you know, New York style pizzas and all that other stuff, but there's just something about biting into that thick, cheesy. Yeah. Ah, oh, sweet. Oh my gosh. So good. And I'm like making a healthy Instapot meal downstairs <laughs> with like rotisserie chicken. And now I don't want it. So thanks. Okay. I mean, recently <laughs> I just grilled some pork chops and made some asparagus and rice and all that. So it's kind of blah. <laughs> blah. Yeah, blah. not after Lumanati's pizza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this has been fun, Eric. I appreciate you joining me here today. It's really a pleasure. Absolutely. So anyone who wants to get in contact with Eric, I'll make sure that the con his contact information and his social and all that's in the description of this podcast. And Smarter Vets, if you really are getting a lot from our conversations, you like the podcast, what you really could do to help us out is if you listen on Apple, make sure to rate us, review us, because uh, it really helps other people know about the podcast, or you can go to our Facebook channel and review us and rate us on there as well. Uh, we'd love to hear about you for other topics or conversations for us to have. Just go to our website. And uh, for now, this is Tom Seco wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
CJ Burnett and Tom Seiko are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seiko's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. 2023 Expires October 2025.